0: Thank you for tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Oh, man, it's been a great week. It's been a busy week, but, like, it's been a really good week. We had our very first ever team night on Friday, Friday. Um man, that was so much fun and and so those of you who are on teams and and your schedule didn't work or or it didn't work for you to make it this time or those of you who've been thinking about teams and, like it just didn't work, man, make sure you are there this next team night that we're doing because um, it was fun um, and then uh, ask the production team like if if there was any kind of competitions. Amongst the teams, you might ask those on the production team like what that competition was and who, who won. Or you can ask any other team member. They might not give you a good answer. But uh, we did have a great time celebrating all that God has been doing in, in our teams and the life of this church. And I'm so excited to continue to see what God does. Um, it, it, how many of you here this morning, you would say, like, there are a lot of things that, that test who you are in Jesus, but but that test becomes even more real when you're behind the wheel of your car. Any anybody else? All right, now you guys need to make sure you see what cars they drive in, um, so that you don't make them upset outside after church. Um, I don't know if you're like me; like it feels like when you're driving, that that's when the spirit kind of maybe maybe like. It's just this season. Maybe that's our wilderness, right? Like Jesus got baptized and then went into the wilderness to be tested. Sometimes, maybe it's inside the confinements of our car. Now, now I, I'm I'm not a perfect driver, but I do my best. When, when I make a mistake, you know, if if I if I get into a lane and I didn't see someone, like I put my hand up, man, I'm sorry, my bad. Didn't see you there. I you know I give the wave. Some of you need to understand this is the wave. Like this is thank you. I'm sorry, my bad. Like. Some of you didn't get trained on this. You are causing us to struggle with our Christianity. Use the hand, right? So I do that, and, and it's frustrating when other people that are, are driving, like, and they just, they forget what a turn signal looks like. They just come into your lane, they jam on the brakes. And then, have you ever had those, those same people, like, when you're like, oh, oh, okay, I guess I'm not here. And then they honk at you, and then they're like this, like you did something wrong. Like in those moments, do you feel that maybe there is righteous anger that should come out of you and let them know how bad of a driver they, like that's when we struggle the most at times, (laughs) like we need to set them straight. Someone does. And I feel like maybe in those moments, God is asking us to do that. Like maybe, maybe you, you, you kind of sympathize with me um, in that and what's, funny about that is I recognize this that in the moments where where I mess up driving I want them to excuse what I did as soon as I say my bad as soon as I give the hand wave but when they drive like they can't see I I don't want to excuse any of their driving actions you know and and if we're honest this thing happens in in way more places than just in our cars have you ever been left out of an important email at work and you feel like everybody like knew that you got left out and, and the sender, man, Steve, he did that on purpose. He left you out on purpose. But if you sent that email, and you accidentally left him out, it would be on accident. You would be trying to explain to him, like, I, w- I wouldn't do that. Like, it was a simple mistake. I was busy. I needed to get this information out. But when it was them that did it, we, we didn't excuse them as quickly as we would hope that our mistake would be excused. Or think about the times that, you know, you're, you're joking back and forth with your friends, and the times that those jokes kind of cross a line, how you respond when your friend crosses a line versus how, you want them to respond when you're the one crossing the line. You know there are times when when I do things that um, hurt my wife, and and I'm I'm trying to be better and quicker to apologize. And, and you can ask her. I, I often will tell her like, "Man, I'm I'm sorry quickly," um, as I'm trying to wrap my mind around what I did because I never intend to hurt your feelings. Like my intentions are never like what I did. I didn't intend for that to hurt. But then when she does something and hurts me, I'm not worried about her intentions. I'm worried about her actions. You see, the crazy thing is we want other people to judge us by our intentions, but we judge them by their actions. Let me me put this uh, another way. Because see, we desperately want grace and forgiveness when we are guilty, but we struggle to extend it when confronted with someone else's guilt. And grace is one of those things that we all want. We we want that that free, unmerited favor, goodwill. Um, We struggle with it at the same time of wanting it, especially when it comes to God's grace, to his good grace. I mean, we we do want it, but we feel like maybe we can't have it because we're not good enough to get it. We haven't done enough good things to tip the scale so that we earn it, and that's exactly why it's grace, because we can't earn it, we don't deserve it, but it's still God's free, unbelievable gift for us because he loves us, and this good grace is undeserved, unearned, and unconditional, and it's hard for us to wrap our minds around it, and so for for the next month, I want to take a closer look at grace. Because we feel like a lot of times, like, this is a New Testament thing. It pops up, like, God is really nice in the Old Testament, right? He's kind of mean in the Old Testament. And then when Jesus shows up, like, we feel like grace is just like, man, he makes it come to life, right? John tells us that Jesus was the embodiment of grace and truth. And so it's like, oh, yeah, I, I understand it kind of here, but not here. But what if we've been missing it? What if we've been missing the thread of grace, that has been woven from cover to cover in scripture. What if we've just been missing it? And so I want to take a look at at scripture so we can find um, some other people that need God's grace and maybe as we do that, we'll also discover we have way more in common with them than we thought. And so this morning, I, I wanna start at the very beginning and my message today is titled, It's Always Been Here. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. And God, this morning as we look into your word, with your presence here, God, we ask that you would change us, that you would confront us, that you would love us. And loving us sometimes is enough to point out where we're missing things or where we've been wrong. And God, where we need to be encouraged. And so, Lord, I pray that as we spend time together in your word, that your word sinks down into our heart, that it takes root, that it would challenge us, it would change us. And God, I pray that you would help me to communicate your word to your people in a way that is confident and clear so that they can hear what you desire to say to them even more than what is written on my page. God, be in this moment. Help us to hear what you have for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your, your physical Bible, turn to page one, right? No one gets to ever turn to page one, but turn to page one. We're going to start at Genesis chapter one. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, it's the first one. Genesis chapter one. And as you get ready to, to read in this place, I, I want to set the table a little bit because oftentimes when we look at Genesis, we're like, oh, it's the beginning, right? That's what Genesis means. But when we read Genesis, I want you to keep in mind how this would have really unfolded. See, because Moses is writing, like he wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, right? So he's writing this not as an introduction to who God is or how it all began, but a reintroduction of who God is. You see, the people of Israel had just came out of 400 years being Slaves in Egypt, they have been through the, the wilderness, they had been in the promised land, and Moses is now writing to them because if you think about it, 400 years of living in a culture that has multiple gods with multiple ways to satisfy them, anger them, please them, what you do and don't do, that more than likely would have an impact on what you think about God. And so Moses takes this opportunity to pen these verses, not just to show what God had done, but to remind them of who God is. So let's read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And then he separated the light from the darkness I love the first four words in the Bible. This is driving me nuts. Like I feel like I'm out of breath, but I'm really not. Like I'm okay today. In the beginning, God. It's just this nice, subtle reminder that before it all was God. Before your problems, but before the struggle, before He's been here. He's gonna be here. He's unchanging. In the beginning, God, this isn't just once upon a time the way it begins. I want you to know that as this all begins, man, God has been here. And then I I love the first thing that we see God do. He makes something out of nothing. We can't do that. That's why we love and are afraid of magicians at times because it's like nothing up my sleeve. And then it's like, whoa, Mel, Mel gets freaked out at those guys when they're really good. But he takes something out of nothing, or he takes nothing and then turns it into something. And, and I love this because it wasn't hard for him. He didn't struggle with it. It wasn't too hard. He wasn't scratching his head wondering like, man, how, does, how do I start all this? Maybe I'll, you know, if I don't get it right the first time, I'll just, I'll start over. No, because nothing is too hard for him. And in the beginning, he did all of this, not because he had to but because he wanted to. And in that decision to create something out of nothing, we were involved in that. That at some point, as God sees the beginning to the end, his desire, his decision to create something, he saw you and he was like, oh yeah, I'm in on that. I'm in on that. Let's do that. Let's make, he didn't have to wanted to. And so we begin, like, it's not just in the beginning, God, but I believe that what God is showing us also is it's in the beginning, grace. This grace rooted in the beginning, and then it unfolds at every stage of creation. I mean, it starts with light and dark. When's the last time you thanked God for light? For some of us, it might have been the summertime when when the sun stays out a little bit longer, because we enjoy that. That's me. Or, or maybe the last time you thanked God for light. I'm not talking about God. Thank you for the beautiful sunset, the sun. I'm not. I'm not. Talk- I'm like the light. Maybe it was the last time you you lost power at your house. And you, you know the panic that happens like after it's not like off and then right back on and then you're like, I don't even know where my flashlights are. We've gotten so spoiled. Like, we grab our phones, and then that's when you realize you haven't charged your phone in three days. And you're like, man, if something happens, we're just gonna be in the dark. Find the candles. You ain't got no candles. You got a little incense burners now. You don't have nothing. But in those moments, like, we kind of got, there's a little bit of panic. And we're trying to gather. Where's the batteries? Who keeps D-sized batteries in their house now? Like, you got all these things running through your head. Like, where's all this stuff? And then the power comes back on you. You're like, whew. Thank you, Jesus. And then you go on about your day. Or, or maybe it's, it was the last time that you had to go down to the basement. Some of you have those basements that you are hoping that when you pull that string to turn the light on, that the light doesn't go out. Like you need it to come on because the things that are lurking around, they run when the light comes on. So you're thanking God when that light comes on. Some of you just went back to your childhood. I know I can picture the steps in my house. 4001 East 10th Street had a creepy basement. I'm just, if the kitchen door closed as you were going down, I'm coming right back up. But see, sometimes we don't, we don't think about like light, but God did. He could have left us in the dark, and we would have never known the difference, but he knew. And he said, you know what, let, let me give them light. He chose to grace us with light. And at every stage of creation, God chose to do more. Two words can sum up how creation worked. One is he formed. The things that we see, the earth, the sky, the, the sea, the lakes, all that. He formed things and then he filled them with things. Formed and filled. And at every stage, what did he do? He filled stuff that was cool. Man, he put stars in the sky. He, he, he took all of, uh, of the sea, the, the rivers, the oceans, the lakes, all of those things, and he put fish in them. Probably just for J. Rowe to, to love and experience. <laughs> and then he takes the land And he fills it with creation. He fills it with things that we have grown to love, plants and animals. And after each one, after each stage of creation, do you notice what God says? And God looked at what he'd done and he said, it is good. Have you ever thought about why he said that? I don't think it was because God was like standing there with all the angels. What do you guys think? I did that, right? Come on, somebody pat my back. All right, I, I don't. I don't think it was that, and and I also don't think like as he was looking at it, he was concerned, Taylor. Like, you know how uh, is this? How is this looking? I, I don't think that when God was was saying that it was good, it, it it wasn't to point it out for his benefit. I think he was pointing out that it was good for our benefit. What do you mean, PK? Let me let me show you see, after the table set, formed, filled, stuff all around, then he goes to work on us. He brings us into the mix. And then things change in creation because before, everything was, was brought into existence by a word. But when it came to us, he said, let us make man in our image. And then he decided to get his hands dirty. He said, man, let me, let me spend some extra time on this. Let me shape it. Let me create it. And then let me breathe my life into it. You see, there was intention. There was purpose in that moment. You have always been. We have always been handcrafted, God-breathed masterpieces. Don't let anyone or anything ever get in your head that is less than that. God spent time on you. Not because he had to. Because he wanted to. He wanted to. He sets the table. He does all of these things. He, he gets it there. We're valuable. And then this is what happens next. In, in verse 29 of chapter 1, then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food i've given you every green plant as for food for all the wild animals the birds in the sky the small animals that scurry around everything that has life then and that is what happened god creates everything a world that that is sustaining itself that would give us all that we need and, and that wouldn't just last for a little while because it says that everything that he created had seed to create itself again. To go again and again and again. It, 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 was, it was almost as if he was setting up this great thing to give away to us. And when he does that, he gets all of this stuff. He makes everything good and he gives it for us to enjoy. He sets us down in all of it. Well, why? Why did he give it to mankind? What did we do to deserve it? Nothing absolutely nothing that's what grace is and so god puts man in this garden where every spot that he turns he would see god's grace he would see an amazing sunset and experience god's grace every majestic mountain there's grace every plant garden every rose bush that you love to admire there's grace built in that that everywhere adam would turn he would be reminded of God's grace of what he had done Not because he had to but Because he wanted to and it didn't Just stop with what you saw God created fruit For those of you who enjoy fruit He made your favorite fruit Maybe he made your favorite fruit because It was going to be your favorite fruit I'm not sure why he made veggies Like I really don't know See because God could have did a lot of things To make us get nutrients We not have to talk about that but some of you like vegetables. And then there's there's meat there. He made animals for those of us who enjoy that. Like, he, he did all of that so that we could enjoy it. There's grace in the seasons that we love. We don't have to have seasons. Some of you were waiting so that you could put on your first sweatshirt and be like, it's fall, y'all, and get your pumpkin spice out. Like, you've been waiting There's grace in all of those seasons. God didn't have to do it, but he chose to do it. There's grace in every part. This grace is so abundant. There is so much, so many things that one person can't take it all in. They can't understand it all because grace is never enough. It's always overflowing and more than enough. It's always more than you can handle. Overflowing grace is what went into creating everything, and it also went into how God solved the first world problem. It wasn't sin. It was solitude. God gave Adam a job. Name everybody. Name all the animals. Do it all. So they're coming up. And then what did God say? Everything else had been good. It's not good that man is alone. And we're We run right into this first problem. And God could have solved that any way that he saw fit. He could have came up with numerous solutions. We would have never known. But what did he do? He chose out of his love for man to create woman. He he made a helper. and Go back and read that, that portion. He made a helper that was just right for Adam. Just right. He wanted Adam to experience something different. Why? Because Adam deserved it? No, 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 because God wanted to do this for Adam. He wanted Adam to experience companionship. He wanted Adam, I love the way that the NLT puts the, their interaction when he first sees Eve, because he says, at last. Like, he didn't even know he was missing it until that fine woman showed up, and he was like, Come on. Like, at, like, God wants us to experience those moments, right? Not because He has to have those moments built in for us, but He wants us to have those moments. And, and I believe this that he, he did this so that Adam would have a constant reminder that grace was by His side. And God created the, the opportunity for love, for intimacy, for relationship. For kids, and then he gives them purpose. Hey, I'm giving you all this, take care of it. Now go have some kids and fill it up. Like he does some, he gives them great things to do, right? We see this grace-filled garden, this garden of grace. And I believe that in the beginning they probably didn't have to wonder how God felt about them. I don't think they lay to bed at night and and, and Adam and Eve were sitting there like, Man, you think God likes us? What do you think? You think he cares about us? I I don't think that they were wondering how he felt because they were living in a garden of grace where they were surrounded by multiple reminders of God's grace and only one requirement to stay away from. Let, Let that sink in for a minute. Multiple things. God gave them everything with one restriction. Don't touch that one thing. You know, sometimes we've convinced ourselves that it's the other way around. That there are so many requirements and very little of God's grace available to us. And I think God would be screaming at us to look around at all that he did and the way that he did it because he didn't have to. He wanted to look at the overflowing ways he poured grace into just creation. Look around. He would say, man, it's a representation. There are all these reminders. That one thing. And just like our kids, man... When we tell them, don't touch that, you don't get that, what do they want? That. And we're going to circle back to that. Because, see, sometimes I, I feel like we've, we've messed this up to where we think there's all these requirements and very little of God's grace. For, for one of two reasons. One, so that we can feel like there's something we can do to earn God's grace. And then two, I, I feel like maybe sometimes the enemy has taken advantage of that thought and made us feel like we will never earn or deserve God's grace that there's so many things that we've done wrong that it will never get us to the place where we can experience the grace of God. And some of us maybe have even been carrying around all this weight and requirement that we feel like will get us something from God, something that we earn and deserve, and that's not God's grace. His grace is undeserved, unearned, and unconditional. It's good grace. It's for us. We don't know how long they spent in this perfect moment in this perfect harmony in this perfect garden with their perfect relationship and no bedhead in the morning, like good breath all the time, like none of that. Like they, they had it, all of it perfect. They were handling God's trust and his responsibilities well. But we do know at some point, at some point they, they chose not just to disobey, but they, tro- they, they chose really to mistrust God that somehow they began to believe that, that God was holding out on them. And then they made a decision that changed everything for everyone as they went after the fruit, the one thing they were told not to go after. As they did that, then we go from the Garden of Grace to where we see in Romans 8, it says that because sin entered the world, that even creation was affected by it. Everything was poisoned because of sin. Creation itself is now subject to death and decay and corruption. It's goodbye, garden. We had it all. They had it all. And, and they chose wrong. They chose differently. They chose incorrectly. They chose poorly. However you want to say it. And now we live in a sinful world. So much so that we sometimes fail to understand the gravity of sin. We don't even like to say sin anymore. We, we've, we've dulled it down to, you know, well, I, just, I just made a mistake. My bad. I, I, you know, I had a lapse in judgment. You know, I, it, it's not that big. Not that big. Not, you know, there are way, like, people doing way worse things. I didn't kill anybody. Like, but, you see, sometimes it, it seems as if we, we can just shrug off sin like we're blinded to the dangers of sin or even the depths that sin takes us. You see, we buy the lie that Adam and Eve bought way back then. That the fruit was going to be so good. Oh, what, what did, what did the, the snake tell him? This is good food. This is great. You're not going to die. Look at me. Look at how great this is. Wow. Whatever he bit, it was good. Oh, it's going it, to it's going to fill you. You'll be more free. You'll be more like God. You'll understand things better. God's been holding out on you. You want to be free. You want to be like that. Man, take it. And we're yelling at them, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But we do the same things. We fall for the same stuff. That sin is going to be so good for us. It's going to free us. It's going to fill us in ways that that we've not experienced before. I'm just going to spend time with this person one time. I know they're not my spouse, but man, the way they make me feel, just one night. I deserve to be happy. I'm not happy right now. I deserve it's gonna be okay because cause I'm gonna be with them and, and they're gonna be with me and it's gonna be freeing. And I'm gonna be am I'm gonna feel like a woman. I'm gonna feel like a man again. Or or maybe it's the moments where where we hear or, or or we feel like, man, I'm just gonna let loose today. Like all the anger, the rage, the frustration, like people are gonna get it today. I'm gonna feel good about myself. I'm not going to hold it back anymore. They just need to, they need to feel the hurt that I feel. And sometimes we, we're at our job and, and we think, you know what? This company doesn't need all these things. We look at the supply closet like it's a Walmart. <laughs> One's are not going to hurt. They're not even going to miss it. They don't keep track of this stuff. They have so much money, they're not going to miss it. It's not that big a deal. It's not like I killed anybody. It's not like I did not This didn't hurt anyone. But we tell ourselves all these things thinking that it will fill us in some kind of way, thinking that it will bring us some kind of freedom and and satisfaction and completion. And at the end of the day, we're left with shame and regret and guilt. See, sin tricks us. It's like that third trip up to the buffet line. It always promises to fill you, but it leaves you regretful and sick to your stomach. See, because sin always promises to fill. It always promises to complete. And the only promise it keeps is to make you feel an empty and worse than when you first started. And sin immediately wreaks havoc on their relationships, all of them. Sin shows up in that perfect marriage, that at-last moment that Adam had was like, she did it. They began to blame each other. There was walls already. There was a struggle and conflict between the husband and the wife, all because sin showed up. And then it affected their relationship with God. And the toil, the toll that sin and shame took on them, it can't be overstated. It had them feeling things and acting in ways that they had never done before. Look at look at this verse in, in chapter 3. It said, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord. They hid from the Lord God among the trees, and then the Lord called to the man, where are you? They were experiencing feelings that they never felt before. There was fear now in God. There was shame now in what they'd done. These were things that they hadn't felt ever before. And then instead of walking and talking with God, they now were choosing to hide from him. Instead of running to him with what they had done and the pain that they were experiencing, they thought sin had already twisted their thoughts enough about they thought so poorly of themselves. And they thought that God would not want me to be even in His presence, so I'm going to hide. And we would tell them, "No, no, no, run to God. That's not that, That's not. It, it doesn't work to hide from God anyway. He made the trees. He knows where you're at. But then, when we're in the middle of our sin, we do the same thing. We hide from God. Oh, I'm not. I, I can't go to church. Lightning will probably strike me as soon as I come in, man. I can't can't go in there. And we feel like if we don't spend time in God's house, that God doesn't know where we're at and what's going on. We, We feel as if it's so crazy. Like we know, like we can read this story and know that that's not how it works. But then when we're in the middle of sin, shame and guilt convince us that there's not a world created that God would ever want us again. And so we hide. We feel shame, guilt, regret, all of this stuff we can't imagine God would ever want us to get. But I love what we see in this scripture. Because do you see the love and the grace, even in these couple of verses, that here instead of coming down and stomping through the garden instead of shouting out what have you done where are you at i'm gonna get you instead of destroying them which is exactly what he said would happen the moment you touch this you die they're still alive oh pastor that, that's that's separation that's that sin that spiritual death but they have a conversation with god god is looking for them he's talking to them i, I don't know if there was immediate separation there I do know that death entered the world. I do know at that time things changed because all of it changed. And instead of destroying them on the spot, there's delay there. There's grace even in that. And and, and what I love is instead of doing all of those things, what's God doing? He's calling for them, walking around, looking for them. Hey, we have a relationship. What's going on? Where are you at? Hey, I'm, I'm still here. Come find me. Where, where are you hiding? Hey, 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 it's, it's okay. It's the same thing like when our kids get, get frightened and they're so afraid that like they go run and they hide. What do we do as parents? Hey, it's okay. Look, come on. You can come out now. It's all right. I love you. You'll be okay. And I think that this is the picture that we see here in, in this portion of Scripture That God is like, man, I know you're hiding behind that tree over there. Come on out. I I still love you. I still want you. I know you don't feel that. I know that sin has convinced you otherwise, but I'm still here. And he did that then, and he still does that now. When you and I have our own fall, when we have sin that overwhelms us, that we choose, there is still grace for the fall. See, because he says, like, look, there's going to be uh, death right after sin. They would surely die, but there's delay. And instead of destroying them, he chose to discipline them. And now we see something that hadn't shown up before. We see what mercy looks like. Because he didn't give them what they deserved. He gave them mercy. He disciplined them because of sin. If you read it, it it talks about the different curses that were happening. And the curses were direct responses to the disobedience that had happened because disobedience always comes at a price. There is always a price when we disobey. God wasn't easing up on sin because of grace. There were consequences. They had to live in the world that they created now. It was good by garden, not just because perfection was gone. But God was literally in a few moments going to walk them out of the garden. And in all of this, sin and death now become connected to humanity, to the earth. They can no longer stay in the garden. But watch this, as God walks them out of the garden. Look look at, sometimes we just miss this, as he walks them out of the garden. Remember why they were hiding? They were like, hey, uh, we were naked. We know what to do. As God walks them out, as he's disciplining them, as he's taking the things that, That he had just given them, hey, be fruitful, multiply, work the land. All of that stuff is now going to be hard. And fellas, we know how hard childbirth is, right? Like we experienced that. Man, those sympathy pains are tough. (laughs) But he took the things that he gave them to do and now they're harder. The land wouldn't be as easy. You're going to have to work hard now. You're going to have to put in way more work than I ever intended. But then look, as he walks them out of the garden, in true God fashion, he gives them what they need. He takes an innocent animal. He sacrifices it to clothe them for what they would need next. A foreshadowing of what grace would look like. That there would have to be a sacrifice to give us what we need. See, from the beginning, we see God's response to man, to sin, has always been good grace. We write songs about God's amazing grace. We hope to experience it. And and as he's dealing with the fallout of sin, with the discipline, with the curse, with with all of this, he unveils his plan of redemption wrapped into all of that. Their disobedience came at a price that they could never pay. And so God said, "I, I got this covered Watch this, I'm, I'm rolling it out. You're not going to experience it for a while. But even in the middle of all of this, in the heartbreaking moment of paradise lost, of perfection going away, of the disappointment, the sin, the shame, of all of that, God says there's still hope. Because I'll cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he will strike your head, and he and you will strike is this is what God talks about to the serpent who is the devil and to Eve and the offspring that he's referring to is the promise of Jesus who will show up at just the right time to be the wounded savior. That can take that price, that penalty of death and he can take that because he can lay his life down and pick it right back up and prove that he is who he said he was. He can do what he said he was going to do and because of this promise of this wounded savior... We see grace that we could never earn unfold. We see a promise for hope, a promise for life, a a, a promise for tomorrow. Grace that will crush sin and shame. And this promise of grace showed up as Jesus to pay the price for for the sin that we committed, that they committed. God pours out his love as he sends his son to pay for what we could never pay for. To give us what we could never earn back. To be able to offer something to us with no strings attached because we didn't do it, he did it. See, grace has been here from the beginning. It's God's good grace. It's undeserved unearned and unconditional. Would you close your eyes with me this morning because we we can leave here this morning free. Free from guilt and shame condemnation. You can walk confidently knowing that God's grace is greater. Greater than your past. Greater than your disappointments. Greater than what feels like your unreached and untapped potential, greater than the thoughts that you've been struggling with, greater than the sin that you've been hiding. It's greater. And it's for anyone who will receive it. If you open up your heart to him, he will pour it into your life. If you give him room, he will overflow your world. Available today you don't have to earn it and come back to church tomorrow to receive it you can walk out of here with it today you can accept this gift that you didn't earn that you would never deserve and by embracing this gift you will also be embraced into God's family he will give you hope that life that peace that joy that you've been searching for if you will embrace Jesus If you're here this morning, you say, P.K., I I need that grace. I need that grace for my own fall, for the sin that that has had me trapped. I need Jesus to take it, to wipe it clean. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. Say, man, that's me, P.K., I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to experience his grace in my life. As I was preparing for today, I felt a couple things, that there are going to be people that need grace for their sin. They say, okay, man, I need that. I need that to wash over me. And then there are also going to be people here that that you need to embrace grace so that you can extend it. That as we've been talking, God has been pointing out how you've been withholding grace and forgiveness from people. And He hasn't been doing that for you. God is challenging you to extend grace, even though it's undeserved and unearned. God wants you to extend the grace that you yourself have received, or maybe today you just you want to experience the grace so you can stop running, you can stop hiding. He's walking around in the room, asking where you are, hoping that you will turn to him, and today that's today, or maybe today, you just need to let go of the weight of the requirements that you've been holding on to like they were grace, But you've been working so hard at being perfect that you have yet to experience the joy of God's good grace. And today, maybe God is saying, if you would just give me a chance, I will. I just need a couple extra minutes to thank him. Whatever it is today, I'm going to challenge you to move from where you are to someplace else. Maybe that's in the aisle. These are my favorite places to be. This is this is where we surrender, where we get victory. And today, this may be where you experience grace like you've never experienced it before. The worship team is going to sing not just to lead you in a song but to give you the opportunity to respond to what god is saying to you how do you need to respond to his grace you need to step out from where you are so you can experience it extend it whatever it is you've heard me the spirit is talking to you right now as they sing i want you to move don't wait for somebody else to move don't wait for them to sing the first chorus don't wait for any of that just move and respond what god prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.